Wow, Blake, welcome back. It's episode four of the Campbell's Gamblers podcast, season three. If I'm not mistaken, huge week of racing ahead. But before anything, how are you, brother? How's your week? <laughs> Another week. That's it. Just, you know, tick that one off the list. We're uh, we're battling through. It was, hey, last weekend was phenomenal. I had a great day. So I hope the rest of the punters did as well. Uh, there were a lot of favorites that got up, I thought, last weekend. Here he is. Trumpets. Jeez. Sorry, huh? Um, Eduardo being one of those that uh, drifted surprisingly to some. Uh, what did you What did you find in that race? What are, any eye catches? Any anything? Any comments at all from that race? I d- uh, yeah. Well, handle the truth was really good. I thought through the line. And to be fair, well, I, well, I never thought he was going to beat Eduardo. We didn't. I didn't mention him last week, but I was. I had my eye on him to see how he went here. Uh, but yeah, considering is he eligible for the for the Kosciuszko? Correct. He'll be in the Kosciuszko. Did you considering get that. tickets? Did you get Kosciuszko tickets? Of course, mate. If I mate handle the truth, my horse for the Kosciuszko. Like, look at that. He's run he's absolutely steamed home first up over a thousand meters behind Eduardo and Athelric and Matt Malkovich Zapateo, Shelby sixty six rocketing by in the field. And he's eligible for a Kosciuszko. I think that's like that's that's a really good sign for me. Good first up run. So, yeah, but I couldn't believe how much Eduardo drifted. Uh, I remember texting you on the day. That was that was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, go to the bar and and give yourself a stiff drink if you haven't got your uh, Kosciuszko tickets yet, because uh, I've only heard it about a million times over the last twenty four hours, and I think I just want to dead set put myself six foot under. God. If the Sky Racing commentators, what are they going to do over the next bloody two months till the Kosciuszko to fill their time slots? I've never seen that much promotion for tickets or anything in my life. It was ridiculous. It was disgusting. But uh, good on the country horses. But, yeah, no, I uh, in regards to the Eduardo drift, uh, yeah, found it a bit fascinating. Obviously, as we all know now, everyone's probably analysed the day. There was a considerable leader bias going into that race uh he was going to it was find so obvious it was so obvious leading into that race as well like it wasn't like that was the first race that the leader won sneaky page i thought didn't sneaky page run before eduardo and it yep. was leaders back yeah and it was like correct. 20 something dollars or 13 dollars or something yeah correct opal ridge you found that uh early in the day in the highway that sat outside mm-hmm. the leader and the leader kicked on there and run second and almost gave the uh, favorite punters a scare. How did you find Opal Ridge? Maybe another horse for the Kosciuszko possibly? Um, yeah, potentially. I, I think, I think Opal Ridge is still like, there's a lot to come. So I'm not, you know, I'm not diving in and declaring that horse for anything in particular. I just, I really like the way that, uh, the way that it's been running and i think she uh i think she'll she'll mature into a, a pretty pretty good horse uh good type uh that we we landed the first at muni valley as well castilian that was pretty good led all the way um yeah like i said before i think 
I swear so many favorites got up. Like there must have been so many punters that 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 did well on on Saturday, surely, because I'm um, like I'm looking through the races now and there were so many favorites. Eduardo Opal Ridge, uh Zaki got up. Like all the short, all the short favorites. So if you had if you had them in the multis, mate, fill ups. Well, multi punters were still in the coffins from Frumos the week before, so I don't think they came out that <laughs> week. But uh, I didn't really see too many multi slips fly around on Saturday. But you are correct. A lot of the, I guess, good horses won races in the. How do I say this? The 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 horses that were expected to win and had all the form behind them, the proven horses, whereas there was mm. a few shorties that weren't technically proven. But um, I think we'll, I guess, touch base on a few of them. We'll go down to Melbourne now, just a little recap there. Uh, first of all, Mr. Brightside, very good win. Very good win. How did you find that race? Oh, well, yeah, that it was – don't have to read into it too much. He, he brained him and was easily the best – like we said, he was the best horse. He turned out to be easily the best horse, and uh, he's – He's gonna he's gonna do good things this prep. Yes, no, he surely will. It was a pretty it was a pretty comfortable watch. You were sitting you're sitting pretty before the race, to be honest with you. It was a bloody five horse field. But um when he when when Willow got him to where he did, it was pretty much all over. Bar the shouting, as they like to say. But uh I find it very fascinating that he's currently uh on the second line of being in the Cox plate. I find that absolutely disgusting. No no offense to any of the owners or whatnot if they're out there, but if that horse is second second line McCox played, I'll give up because that that in my opinion that is the pinnacle race in Australia still, or at least of, of the entire carnival. Car, Melbourne Cup, let's just say Melbourne Cup and Cox played because mm. I wanna, don't want to anger some people out there. But uh, mm. if he's second line, geez, uh, if anything comes from overseas, I'll be all over it like white on right, To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, just it all it always happens though. Like a horse wins really well and then it just gets plunged in futures markets like at the end of the day you can never make a decision until closer to the race anyway you need to know if they actually get there first and like you know anything can happen so there's just no point even i i just don't i just don't buy into any of the futures markets personally until you know you're a couple weeks out and you know horses maybe have one more run before they get there um but you definitely need well in my opinion definitely need to wait until you know more about how the field's actually going to shape up because Right now, the field looks like it's going to have a hundred horses in it because there's like a hundred hundred markets open for the Cox Plate futures. So you just don't know. Correct. Also, the other feature race at Noonie Valley on Saturday it was the Mini McEwen Stakes over the thousand meters. Great to see Rothfire secure his first win coming back from a lengthy break, tendon injury. Um, yeah, he could have been anything that horse if he if if things had have gone gone right for him early in his career. But uh, how do you find that race? Good to see the Queenslanders go one two. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I thought Colin Gatta was pretty good, to be honest. Like she, she's she didn't win, and to be honest, like I said last week, she I thought she would. Um, so I was wrong there, and I put my hand up, but. I don't think that she she's, she deserves to lose any admirers after that run. Personally, I thought that was a pretty like she she did it tight. Like she was you know out um, off the fence. She was up on the firing line, stuck on to run third behind Rothfire and Zustal as a three year old. Even though she had fifty kilos, she was first up there. Like I yeah, 
personally, I think that I think that's a huge run for her. Um, and I'm excited to see where she goes next. Yeah, I think um, if I'm the team, I'm sending it back to her own age group and her own sex, first of all. I think that was an absolute ridiculous move. It's a bit of, bit of, bit of post-race expert here, but uh couldn't believe the price she was. And I could just I just hate seeing three-year-olds go up against the open horses. Like I don't care about the weight, the weight relief. I just think especially when they're coming, especially first run back from their two-year-old season, like all these two-year-olds versing each other. I think it was pretty, I think it's fair to say the recent two-year-old class was a bit weaker than the previous ones we've had in previous years. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's very fair to say, actually. Um, so I found that interesting, but I'm not too, I'm not too sure where to next for her, probably a 1200 meter um, three-year-old Phillies race somewhere. Uh, but uh, interesting to see where she goes. Uh, we'll go to now our first segment Blake's very own flashing lights. Kanye West in the background just singing it nice and That's loud. That's it. He loves it. He, he, he's loves a, it. He, hey, he tunes in. He I promise you. <laughs> it does. Him, him and Kim, even though they've they're broken up. But uh, uh, <laughs> what was your most – or you've got a couple here. Who was – out of those three, which you will mention, who was the best, I guess, best best caught your eye? Uh, yeah, well, I want to say first those three that I've got there, Handle the Truth, Ice Bath, and Jale were if i'm not mistaken the three fastest last 200 meter sectionals of the meeting at randwick um all in different races but gee ice bath what on earth was that what that was absolutely like insane i could not believe my eyes when i saw her absolutely storm home for second behind zaki um so if i had to pick one i'd be saying ice bath um particularly after that first up run like it was it was a pass, but there was nothing to suggest that she'd be doing that second up, and you know she didn't win, which you know is is the ultimate goal. But geez, man, she got absolutely hammered in the market, eleven into four forty, and did that ran second fastest one of the fastest last two hundred meters of the meeting, and the other two races were sprint races. This was fourteen hundred meters, so I yeah for me that's the pick of the three. Yeah. No, fair enough. Uh, yeah, handle the truth. Very good, as we've already mentioned in the show. Uh, for me, I was kind of tossing up. I I, I liked one run at Mooney Valley. I, I don't necessarily want to get sucked into it too much, and he did finish mm -hmm. well back in the field. But that is actually a, a horse that was very, very much hyped when he first came to Australia, and that is Constantinople, uh, which is very funny because he finished – Third last, beating seven and a half lengths. However, I really liked the way he finished off through the line. He was well back in trip. It was, where was it? He was a fortnight between runs, stepping back from a 3,200-meter heavy 10 maiden hurdle back to a benchmark 78. <laughs> and he actually run home in the fastest last 200 meters out of that race. So I thought it was a, an eye catcher through the line. Uh, what do I do with this horse? I'm not too sure. I think I might have to wait for a 3,200-meter maiden hurdle in a fortnight's <laughs> time, which is absolutely as degenerate as he gets. He has probably the worst winning strike rate of any horse going around on a Saturday meeting, 33 starts for two wins, which is diabolical, but uh, he's had two goes over the hurdle. He's, he's run, he's run second in the benchmark 120 and, uh, and he's, and he, and he's lost a maiden hurdle. So I'm not too sure what to do with him. <laughs> really did catch my eye. I think the horse is actually going all right. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember him doing that. If I'm not mistaken, a couple of times, maybe last prep or, you know, more recently in his time in Australia, like he he came to Australia and then 
didn't really live up to all the hype that he had and then got tipped out. And then I think maybe he's an ex-prep after that. He he had a few runs where he worked home well. So if he's doing that again, definitely one to keep an eye on. And I thought as well out of the same race, Unanimous was absolutely huge. I don't know what Unanimous's last, because you said uh, Constantinople had the fastest last uh, sectional. Yeah. So Unanimous must have been pretty close as well. Yeah, Unanimous was good in that race. I think that race, there was a few horses that run on in that race, but... Uh... Mm. Yeah, well, it's funny where Constantinople's career went because I remember his first run. I'm looking at it now. He ran fourth, beaten a length and a half to vow and declare in a group one. Um, so I'm not sure how he's ended up in a benchmark 78 on a Saturday, but uh, he obviously didn't go on with it. And that might be the reason why I have found him because he probably just puts those runs in once preparation. But I just I really like him. I think he's, I think he's going all right. But anyway. We'll see what we'll see. What, I don't know if I'll follow that one, to be honest to you, but um, we'll see what he does next. Uh, we've got four races to cover in this week's episode. The first place we'll cover is Rose Hill. Two races to cover there. Track conditions. Weather's set to be sunny in 22. Rails out five metres. And the track currently is a soft five. Could possibly get back to a good track. Jeez, Blake, when was the last time we had a good track in Sydney? Would have been- <laughs> Mate, I forgot, what, I forgot what good meant. <laughs> oh, I reckon it would have been almost last year if I'm being completely honest because mm. there wasn't anything in autumn. Everything was wet and possibly like February, January was the first time we've ever played on a good track. And I don't know if we'll get back there this week, but uh, anyway, how do you think the track will play at Rose Hill? The rail's out five metres. What does that generally favour? Oh, well, same as what was Ramwick last week, seven metres. Yeah. And every horse won from pretty much leading or leaders back on the rail you needed a rails run um so i suspect it'll be similar thing at rose hill uh whether or not it's that extreme because Randwick was really extreme last weekend like you you literally had to be leading well you had to be on the rail basically to win um whether or not it's that extreme uh rose hill on saturday is yet to be seen but i think it'll play you know somewhat towards that uh that bias where you need to be as close as to the rails you can get um and and fairly close to the speed as well yeah yeah i think the track drying out too i think that's just a given i think you you, you want to be up and up and in as we always like to say all right we'll move on now to the first race we'll cover it is race seven the runs to the rose group two level for the boys and girls over the 1200 meters sees the return of Probably the star two-year-old, and I think that's very safe to say in Fireburn, who was a two-time Group 1 winner, the winner of the Golden Slipper, the winner of the size produce and runs second in the Champagne Stakes to finish her career. There was talk about her not coming back in the spring and, and waiting till next year autumn, but she's back here. Uh, she's not currently favourite. Best of Bordeaux is the favourite, $3.40, with James McDonald on the back. Who have you ended up with in this race, Blake? Um, well, I've... I've gone a little bit wide here, and uh, I'll tell you why. Because Best of Bordeaux and Natuno, I believe, are coming out of the same race. And they were both all right. Natuno was was sort of a little bit unlucky in that run and arguably could have contested for the win. I don't know. It, you know, it's up to interpretation there. But they both returned well uh, in the same race. But that doesn't that doesn't really give me enough justification to you know have them as favorite when you've got horses returning like fireburn um you got a horse political debate that's almost 20 to 1 
So Jardin's returning as well and has been trialing really well in my opinion. So like although, you know, they've got the run under the belt and they've returned okay, that doesn't, you know, give any lead on how the better two-year-olds from last season are going to return um, and whether or not they'll be able to actually beat Natuna or Best of Bordeaux at their best. So I'd, I can't justify them being favourite personally. I think In Secret is the one out of the three that I'd probably be the most confident uh, out of the out of the ones that has already returned because uh, North Star last came out and won last weekend, which sort of franked that form. And I thought I thought that was a pretty good run. She was pretty unlucky. Um, potentially could have won that race. So in secret, out of those three favorites, best of all, don't you know? I'd lean in secret, but I think Sajard and his a really good price. And I've I've been a big fan of him. I was a big fan of him as a two year old, and I thought that he'd furnish into one of the better horses of that crop. Um, Yet to be seen, obviously, but he's been trialing well enough for mine and I'm um, happy to stick with him to find out how he returns as a three-year-old. Um, and the same thing with political debate. He was he was good towards the end of last prep um, around She's a Belter and won that race against Sharp and Smart um, in Queensland. And the trials have been just not like you can't read into the trials at all. He just hasn't been ridden out, you know, it's not like he's not trialing well. It's not like he is trialing well. You just don't know. So with that in mind and the way that he was running, you know, and, and the hype that he had around him last prep, I think political debate's overs and I think Sajardin's overs. So those are the two that I'm looking at. What about you? Well, this race has a really interesting history that I looked into last night. There have been 20 editions of this race and not once in those 20 years. Absolute donut next to the Phillies. The Philly has never won this race. So I think that could possibly make In Secret and Fireburn's task a little bit more difficult if recent history is anything to go by. Godolphin have a really good record in this race, despite that they've won five of the last eight editions with Animo claiming this race over in the Congo last preparation, uh, sorry, last year at Kembley Grange. Uh, I disagree with you. I think I think uh, I'm not with best of Bordeaux. I think he's a little bit skinny. I think he can bounce back. I thought he was ridden outside of his comfort zone. He wasn't able to find the front for the first time in his career. Uh, and he did over race with the blinkers on for the first time. I think he'll find the front a little bit easier here now that he's drawn inside sweet ride. Uh, however, I am with Natuno from that race. I thought he could get the A1 position here, draws barrier one. I think he can, or he's proven in previous preparations that he can actually lead, if not posse up. And I think he posses up right behind best of Bordeaux here, the fellow Queenslander. And I think $5 is a very fair price. Uh, interested to see how Fireburn returns. I don't think she will return at all, if I'm being completely honest. The Golden Slipper, as we all know, has a absolutely disastrous, uh, as I absolutely make a mockery of that word, Terrible record, horses coming back from the Golden Slipper or sorry, winners of the Golden Slipper and what they've done later in their career. And I think this might be another one. I think they've come back a bit too early, if I'm being completely honest. I think they've gone, they had a plan to not race her in spring and they've gone completely against it. So I don't think she'll win a prep, a race this whole preparation. So good luck to you. Uh, so Jardin, I do have to agree with you. I thought he was really good and probably one of the two-year-olds him i thought charlatan would probably in my opinion the two that could extend into three-year-olds and, and be good race horses i just don't like where he gets to on this map i don't i don't see a whole lot of speed and i just don't know how he's got to get around rose hill if the track does play towards the leaders so happy to back tony Gollan and hugh bowman with natuno that's Fair about enough. it right 
All right, we'll move to the second of the two races we're covering at Rose Hill, and that is race eight, the Theo Mark Stakes, over the 1,300 metres. At group two level, current favourite in the race is Mr. Mozart, who's returning off winning three in a row last preparation, and his last trial was very sharp. Are you with Pikey and Mr. Mozart, or are you looking to play a bit of value elsewhere? I will say it's pretty hard not to be, well, at least for me anyway, uh, it's pretty hard not to be with him. The way the way that that last trial was, uh, if anyone's seen it, he just romped home under very, very little riding to beat Crosstalk, and Ellsberg ran third in that trial, who's second favourite for this race, so... Like I saw that and I'm like, well, if Ellsberg's the biggest danger in this race, which I, I don't personally think he is, but the way the market's suggesting that he is the biggest danger in the race and Mr. Mozart did that to him in a trial, obviously it's not the be all and end all, it's just a trial. But, you know, the way he the way he finished last prep three wins on the board, uh, Pike's aboard, he's got gate three. You were talking about the map in uh, race seven, Jason. Like he's basically going to, get the same run that Natuno is going to get prime candidate will kick up from gate one and Mr. Mozart will probably just slide in right behind him and get the rails run. Um, so with that in mind, like as a $3.60 favorite, he's going to get all favors. He's trialed well. He ended last prep really well, handles all going. What, what reason, what reason is there not to, not to like him? You make a fair statement, Mr. Blake. <laughs> was there any other runners in the race that sort of at odds somewhat gauged your attention or just Mr. there was uh, there was i want to know first if you're with me on mr mozart or if there's another one that you've got your eye on I, I i'm against you with mr mozart i think ellsberg's close enough to a moral in this race and I've said it, I've used the M word, bloody tarnish me now. The M word doesn't exist, the M word. The reason why I say that is he is absolutely faultless first up. He's four from four first up. I think an absolute key ingredient that people will be missing, and they've already missed in this market clearly, in my opinion, as they've backed Mr. Mozart, is yes, Mr. Mozart has won his recent trials against Ellsberg. Both of them, he beat Ellsberg comfortably. Ellsberg didn't have his blinkers on that occasion. He's record with it. He hasn't won a race without his blinkers on. He's a blinkers horse. Blinkers go back on race day. Completely different kettle of fish. Gets an absolute dream run here, tagging Prime Candidate, who is the obvious leader with 53 kilos from Barrier 1. He is, in my opinion, a much better dry tracker than Mr. Mozart. He is He's versed much more difficult company than Mr. Mozart, which I think is very fair to say. Uh, and he's, he's Group 1 place, this horse. Like, this is ridiculous, the price he's going around. If he's not favourite in this race... Honestly, he could start. He should start, have a two in front of his name, but that's just my opinion. I think he finds a lovely spot in this race. I don't think there's a lot of pressure in this race. I think he's just way too good for them. There you go. Well, there you go. There's a slap. There's a slap across my face. <laughs> no, um, well, take your pick. Who's calling you in? JC's or Furious? <laughs> well, if you've been following this season, you don't want to be anywhere near me. I stink. <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah. Well. To answer your previous question, if there's any other horses I've got my eye on, there is one, a mare that I've got my eye on, but she maps worse than Sajardin does in the other race. Um, and that's, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how she that's handles true. it. But Kiku is a, a, a favourite of mine, big favourite of mine. Um, she puts puts in every single race. Um, 
in my to my eye, she tried really nicely. Um, I, yeah, it's just it's just whether or not the gate is you know too much, and she's obviously going to have to do it a bit tough. How does Rose Hill play on the day, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. That's all stuff that you'll know by race eight. So, um, you know, you'll be able to make a more educated decision come race day, um, which is exactly what I'll be doing. But I definitely have my eye on her, and even if she doesn't perform under these circumstances i think she's gonna have another good prep as a five-year-old um she literally just she just runs well every single start she has for so long so i'm gonna stick with her and i'm definitely got my honor for this race um it's just yeah it's it'll be a, a decision for race day whether or not she's worth backing well, we'll wait till race day then and we'll see what happens next week tune in next week when we, <laughs> when we have our saturday recap but uh That'll about wrap us up for Rose Hill. And with that, we'll go down to Melbourne now. We'll cover two races, the first of which will be race five, the Group 1 Maccabi Diva Stakes over the mile. Current favourite in the race is the ACDC namesake. I'm Planet Strife, currently around that till 50 quote, six to four with most bookmakers. Are you with Thunderstruck or are you playing against him? Looks like you're playing against him, big fella. I am indeed. Brian Johnson is not going to like me. Akadaka. <laughs> Brian but, Johnson um, just rolled out of his grave thinking, what the fuck? How, 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 how did I get a mention on this show? If he was ever a bloody listener, he's not anymore. <laughs> Poor Brian. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I'm with the blood here. I was against him first up. Well, it wasn't. It was, I mean... It was kind of first up. You'd had over two months off, but whether or not he's first up, we you can you can debate that in your own time. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was against him in the Memsey, um, purely based on the fact that he had gate one and it looked tricky, um, and there were a few horses like I'm Thunderstruck and Cascadian who I thought were going to return well, especially Cascadian. That's the one that I backed for the Memsey. Ran third. Alligator Blood was very unlucky in that race and the more i watched it the more i convinced myself that he would have gone pretty close with with room and the fact that i'm thunderstruck and cascadian had much longer time to wind up like alligator blood ended up getting getting room to race late in the late in the race but it takes longer than you know 50 100 meters to actually pick up um and and sort of rattle home which like I'm Thunderstruck didn't even finish in the fastest last 200 meter sectional. And he's a $2.40 favorite in this race has gate one now. So he's basically going to have the same problem. Alligator blood had uh, in the Memsey and his second up records way worse than his first up record. Alligator blood almost performs better second up than he does first up. If not, you know, at the same or similar level. And the fact that he didn't get pressured in the straight at all in the Memsey has me thinking that he'll, be less likely to bounce second up and we'll have more to give in this race uh same thing with cascadian he ran really well over the 1400 i think he'll run well again here but alligator blood from gate two is going to get the perfect run and at flemington there's much more room to move than there is at caulfield um this is a small field so i'd expect alligator blood to have his chance here when where he didn't at, uh at caulfield in the memsey um and yeah i think I think unless it gets a lot wetter, then I'd be, you know, changing my. I'd probably go be going with Cascadian if it does get, um, 
you know, into the sort of soft seven, heavy range. Um, the track gets chopped up by race five, then then I'll probably not be as confident in alligator blood. But at this stage, I, I think he'll be getting a run of the race and be very tough to beat. Yep, have to agree with you. Picking up what you're putting down, Blake. Uh, honestly, a couple of weeks ago, the first episode of this podcast, there was a lot of chat about Frumos being unlucky. Oh, just honestly, Frumos being unlucky. I thought that was just pocket talk and absolute dribble from the punters when she got held up from H Bowman because she was that far off the leader that she would have had to produce that good of a sectional to still win the race. Whereas Alligator Blood, in my opinion, and this might be pocket talk for myself because I was on him, but if you go back and watch the replay as Blake's done, as as I'm sure a lot of people have done, and you look at the sectionals out of the race, he's gone identical 1180 from the eight to the six as I'm Thunderstruck and Cascadium. And then he's put six to the four. He's gone 11.44, whereas I'm Thunderstruck has gone 11.48 and Cascadian has gone 11.64. So he's had the fastest six to the four in that race, as well as visually looking like he was absolutely traveling into the race. He would have been the first horse on the scene. I have no doubts he runs top three in that race. No doubts whatsoever. And if anything, he could have literally put them away because he was a couple of lengths in front of both of them. I think here, I think I'm really interested to see what Tim Clark does. I find it really interesting to just see him down here because he's knocked back a full um, card of rides on a big day at Rose Hill just to come down here and ride the blood, who he has got a Stradbroke win next to his name on. And he's drawn barrier two. There's not there's no speed in this race. Like there's absolutely no speed whatsoever. I think he leads this race. There you go. There's there's your scoop. I think he leads this race and I think he wins. I think he I think arguably, as Blake said, he goes best second up. The only reason I was on him first up is purely because I thought he was going to get the run of the race, which he almost did if he just got got out, mm. really. If he got out, there's no doubt he runs a top three, in my opinion. But mm -hmm. what he mentioned, um, so I think he wins. I think Thunderstruck at that price is ridiculously under the odds. I think if Alligator Blood gets out, the market could be almost the opposite way around. Uh, I want to touch base on one runner in this race, and that's She's Ideal. She is $41, currently at the EBT Tab Machine Terminals. And she's first up here for the new stable, Kieran Ma, uh, formerly with Bjorn Baker, had a great career with Bjorn Baker, won $1.4 million in prize money and multiple group one placings next to her name. She goes very good first up, funnily enough, very good first up. If you look at her first up record, three uh, three preparations ago, third to subpoenaed and Madame Rouge in a group two Millie Fox, two preparations ago, Third, beaten no more than half a length to Mawunga and very elegant in a group one Winks stakes over the 1,400 metres. So this is a mile first up with her this time around. She will get her given the track. She's drawn low. It's just a matter of fact that the speed's on. But you know what? I'd love, once again, as, as I'm going to say again, I'd love to see a market for her not to run last. I cannot believe she's $41. I, I could almost, almost mark her close enough to bloody Mawunga. Oh, anyway. Mm -hmm. Anyway, maybe maybe she has gone sour. Maybe her preparation's done. Maybe she wants to stop racing. But yeah, just thinking change of environment could really bring her on. Yeah, I agree. I'm very interested to see how she goes with uh with Mara and Eustace, and I'm interested to see where they take her because they wouldn't have picked her up, you know, to to race at bloody Warrnambool and Scone and Moey. They <laughs> they must have something in mind. So it'll be interesting to see where she ends up. But um. You did, you did mention Mawunga, and I don't think that he's out of this race personally. I like the fact that he brings in a different form line. He's had he's had a run, and it looked bad on surface value, but I, I 
I'm willing to forgive him for it. Um, just, you know, purely on the, on the conditions of the race. And he didn't, he just didn't seem to have sort of an opportunity to to get into the race. I think, I think he can run all right here, especially if that form turns out to be stronger than this, which it easily could like Animo, Fangirl, Profondo, that, that form versus this could be very competitive. So um, it's just whether or not he turns up second up uh, over the, over the 1600 meters and he's got a wide gate. So there's a few things against him, but yeah, I got my eye on him. It'll be interesting to see how he looks. Interesting to see what the patterns like, and uh, I yeah, I wouldn't be ruling him out. There you go. That's our deep dive into the Group One Memby uh, Memsey Maccabi Diva Stakes. All right, we'll move now to the last race. We'll cover it's the race eights. Bobby Lewis quality down the straight six at Flemington Group Two level. Current favorite in the race is Veren Skova, and. Uh, Spots that is also in the market as well as shooting for gold. They're around that $6 mark. Very difficult race. 16 horses in this race. Open handicap. Blake, I come to you with the yeah. hardest job of the day, in my opinion. This is the hardest race we've covered. Or well, that's my opinion. What What did you think of this race? Can you find something? Yeah, if, if, if it was my job to pick something in this race to win, I'd be quitting. Clocking off early? I'd be, I'd be yeah, I'd be clocking off. I'm not. I don't even want to try to pick something in this race. I'll, like shooting for gold is a great horse, but he bloody misses the start every, you know, nine every 10 runs. And he's got gate 17. Baron Scova was phenomenal over the 1100. Um, probably the the one that I'd lean to just because I, I like her the most out of these out of these runners, just, you know, personal personal preference sort of thing. But there are so many... Like serious suspect has been absolutely tearing it up down the straight. Um, you know where to look. Like baller, baller over this distance. He's you know he's never he's never been to the track, but over this distance. And I thought it was interesting. Mark Zara decided not to ride Verenskova. I'm guessing he had the option to ride Verenskova because he won on on Verenskova last time, and is riding baller who's down from Queensland and first up here. Um, but like it's <laughs> Zutori's $21 and as an exceptional record first up and over this trip, you can just work your way through the entire field and just make cases for and against everything. But for me, it's just, um, it's just not worth trying to figure it out. It's just too hard. Yes. Well, I think, uh, Mr. Zara would probably love to ride Varen Skova, but, uh, probably FYI, him not riding that horse, I wouldn't put down him not wanting to or going elsewhere. I'd just say it's a weight thing. I don't think Mr. Zara can get down to 53 kilos. I'm surprised Craig getting down to 53 kilos might be a bit of a uh, bit of a jump for him. But uh, regardless, yeah, I was much the same with Blake. I've just pretty much, in my opinion, gone with the horse with the best form in the race. And which is hard enough because Zutori's won this race two of the last three editions. He just has to carry the weight. And if the rain comes, well, I don't think he goes as well on the wet track. I think it's very fair to say, even though some of his runs last preparation on wet tracks in group one company were very good. Uh, just has to carry the weight on a wet track, but I'm going with Swats that. And the reason why I'm going with this mare is she goes very well first up and she generally races in group one company. Well, her last three, Races first up were on Group 1 company. She's run third to Nature Strip in September run in a caviar, Group 1 level. She's run eighth to Wild Ruler in, at Group 1 level, being three and a half. 
where she raced three wide no cover from barrier nine. And she ran fourth, beat 1.7 to Home Affairs, Nature Trip and Eduardo. Last preparation first up. I think the thing with her that I am not 100% sold on is her running a strong 1,200 metres. And I think, if I'm being completely honest, I think she'll look the winner at some point in this race, given she has come back okay. I just don't, I just could see something swooping. But with her out of the new market handicap, she ran fifth in that race. That was a group one race too. Uh, she lost to Rock and Horse and the astrologists who are also in this race. However, they both have to carry weight penalties for that. And she meets them both two and a half to three kilos better off the weights respectively. So mm. I yeah, think- I, just to chop in, I wouldn't read into that race too much either. That was like, that was a massive blowout. And I think it had a lot to do with the pattern on the day personally. Yeah, so well, she was good. Like to the eye, that was a good. It was a good. It was a good run. And if that form line is the wrong form line, well, at least she still meets those two horses better off at the weights. Yeah. Uh, I think she can turn that form around. I think she goes well fresh, and I know where she's got to get to. She's got to find a lovely spot here from a from a lowish barrier. Would have rather to draw out, but um, she finds a nice spot. She'll sprint. She'll sprint hard. Uh, just whether she can hold on late. Oh, we're back for another week of the trial files. The JC trial files. Went under last week, miserably went under, but we looked to bounce back and we're heading to Kemble Grange on Saturday, race one, number eight, a bunker hut. Now this runner caught my eye last start when it steamed home over the 1400 meters to run second to perfect thought, who was our first trial file of the season. Draws barrier one on this occasion, steps up to the mile, has proven not proven he's shown that he can settle more handier and i think he might do that tomorrow very very weak maiden here not sure what price will open up we're doing this podcast on a thursday afternoon so don't criticize me if he opens up short and if he opens up long then i'll take it all uh yeah that's just a anyway that's a pretty bad way to look at things but uh yeah bunker hut should be breaking his maiden might not be a bad cult he might be a might be a saturday horse in time possibly not that he's not running on saturday already but uh I mean, Saturday, Metropolitan Horse. Blake, talking about Metropolitan, uh, I'm sure the the Hong Kong Metropolitan tracks are starting to heat up. Trials taking place. Not too fast. Season starting. Take it away, big fella. Oh, come on. Sunday cannot come any faster. I am absolutely and utterly dead fucking keen. I don't often swear, but it's it's... It's necessary in this in this circumstance. I I'm, I cannot wait. I'm actually yeah yeah. It's um it's gonna be good. So Sunday is the first meeting. Sunday September 11 uh, at Chartin. We're on the A course. Obviously first meeting of the season. And I'm so keen. <laughs> Did I say I'm keen? Um, race one. I've I've got a I've got a couple that I've I've got my eye on. Three in particular, but um, one of them sets up the best by far in this race. So I'll rattle them off. It's a it's a class five 1600 meter race, but um, I thought I better tip something first race back, whole season's beginning. Uh, let's start off with a bang. Hopefully one of these gets up and um, one of these three in the race gets up and hopefully it's the one that I give special mention to. But number two, Star of Glory, uh, number six, Turf Brilliant. And number nine, Grand Power, are the three horses in this race that I have my eyes firmly set on. Now, Star of Glory has a new apprentice riding who obviously has never ridden 
So I have no, I have no input on on whether he's any good or not, um, which which has me concerned slightly, um, or not concerned, just cautious. It's probably the better word. Turf Brilliant gets back and has gate thirteen, so it's going to be a bit of a tough one. I think, though, he's returned really well, so we'll see. Um, but Grand Power sets up perfectly here. Gate two, trialed really, really well. Luke Curry aboard, going to get probably leaders back, at worst, three pairs back the rail uh, from gate two, and that's all you need. He Track and distance right up his alley. It's a class five, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to run really well. He was unlucky in his last race last season as well. And prior to that, ran second and then won the start prior. So he, he's gone one, two, four, and then the season ended. Kicks off his preparation here. Race one of the first meeting back. And I reckon he'll be able to get the cash. I have no idea whatsoever what price is going to open up, whether he's favorite in the market, double figures. Bloody, you could ask the, you could ask the, bloke homeless bloke down the road he's probably got a better idea than i do what price this horse will open up but whatever price he does open up i'll be taking some of and um yeah i, I expect him to be running really really well so grand power is the one for me that i've given special mention to but if he doesn't get up it's going to be between star of glory turf brilliant and grand power in my opinion very exciting blake very exciting first First meeting back for the new season and Blake's been into the first race. So exciting to see what Blake can do this season. He's coming off his best season yet, season three. Now he's in the season four. So very keen, Mr. Blake. He used a few profanities there to describe his exuberance. But uh, we'll move on now. Uh, the $100 competition right now between yourself and myself. And once again, I find myself just tucked in behind you. Um, one out, one back. Um, minus 200 kegs, dollars, not kegs, uh, $200, and you're on the minus 5750. Uh, Maccabi Davis Stakes, the group one that we are featuring this week, the only group one, and you've split your money between two runners, or is there a possible oh, yeah. late scratching <laughs> broadcast? <laughs> broadcast late update. I've scratched two runners, and I've, I've there's been a, a uh, an emergency's got in. So my initial, I will say, my initial stakes were 70 to win on the blood and 30 to win on Mwunga. With the fact that it's probably going to be wet, it looks like it's going to rain the next three days. Um, watch it not now that I've changed my selections, but um, I trust Cascadian more on the wet than I do the blood. So I'm going 50 each way again, Cascadian. I'm double dipping from the last group one. He came third and was able to, Give me a little cheeky return there. So uh, hopefully he can give me another. And even if he runs top three, I'll be getting money back, hopefully. So Cascadian 50 each way for me. Well, uh, Alligator Blood just fell out of his feed box just then. He couldn't believe it. You you spoke to him. You said he was the one. And at the 11th hour, you've said blood, not today, champion, not today. Well, if you're listening to this Alligator Blood there are some believers out there, and, and and JC is one of them. Hundred dollars the win on Alligator Blood. He has cost me two hundred of my three hundred dollars so far, but uh, with a hundred on him at around that four eighty mark, uh, I think I'll be sitting well and truly on top heading into a deep season. So, K 
Cascading versus Alligator Blood. Best of luck, Mr. Blake. Uh, best bets now. Anything has caught your eye for Saturday. There's huge races all over the globe um, and also international, as you've already mentioned. Anything you can fill the, fill the viewers' pockets with? Uh Nothing as yet for Hong Kong. It's a bit it's a bit tough to have a best bet on the first meeting back because um it's not like there's been there's been months off now racing in Hong Kong and no horse races. There's no whereas in Australia the season resets, but horses have been running and they they kind of cross over with their preparations. So you still got form to use, whereas in Hong Kong you don't have there's two months of form just missing off every single horse and what you can only go off trials. So it's a bit of a tough one in terms of best bets, um, but we'll definitely be watching, uh, keeping an eye out for horses to back further into the preparations and into the season. But um, in Australia, there are a couple of horses uh, that I've made note of from uh, the last few weekends. One is El Rocco, race four, Flemington. Um, that horse has been unlucky uh, on multiple occasions. It ran second to military expert two starts ago who came out and won at the Valley. Ran second to Munamek uh, last time and should have won that race. I'm almost 100% positive it should have won that race. Um, and the prior form is really good. Um, two wins on the board prior to that. So absolutely flying, this horse is, four-year-old. And with gate seven at Flemington, I think he'll slot in well and get a nice run and be able to uh, finish pretty well. So I expect him to be running really well. And the other horse that I have in my black book, is race three at Rose Hill, Mom Felicity. Uh, current favourite, but Impulsar opened up favourite and they've they've sort of flip-flopped. They ran 1-2 uh, last start over the 2,400 metres at Randwick. Um, Mom Felicity goes up a kilo. Impulsar goes up two and a half kilos. So a little bit of a weight swing there. Um, I thought Mom Felicity had to do a little bit of work where Impulsar was already sort of sitting up um, towards the lead in that run, which is sort of why he was able to just hold on. But Mom Felicity made it close enough um, for mine. And I think now that she's drawn underneath Impulsar uh, in gate four and Impulsar's got gate six, I think bigger field, a little bit more pace in the race. Impulsar's not going to get it so easy, uh, in my opinion. And I think Mom Felicity from gate four is going to be able to just sort of get that one out, one back spot, potentially um, be a little bit closer to the rail than Impulsar will be. And with that little weight swing, I think she can turn the tables. And um, to be honest, I don't think there's much else in the race that uh, that can threaten. So Mom Felicity and uh, El Rocco at Flemington would be my two selections. The big man has spoken and he's splitting right down the middle, going to Flemo and Rose Hill. Uh, my best bet as it stands Really keen to play into the Theo Mark stakes. Think the market's got it absolutely upside down. And I think by race day, I think the market will have Ellsberg favourite. Uh, just think people have sort of, the people that uh, make the prices and the people that move the prices have gone a little bit too quickly on uh, this race. And uh, as I said, I think class might prevail here. We've got a horse coming out of three-year-old restricted group races where you've got a horse that's, He's run, he's run third at weight for age level, you know, beaten three and a half to Cascadian. So, you know, what price would Cascadian be in this race? Uh, yeah, I think that about sums sums me up. What else? What, what's what's on for the weekend, Blake? What's on for the weekend? 
Finals footy. Finals footy is getting getting exciting. So who wins? The, uh, who wins? Roosters or the Rabbitohs? Oh, up the bunnies, up the buddies. Hey, did you see that thing about the uh the tickets? They didn't release properly for the bunnies fans, and they were all kicking up a storm because they couldn't get their tickets. How the shit's that? Toothless supporters. Mm. Mate. Wonder what happened there. Nick Polaitis might have had some. Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas. But, nah, yeah, no, I reckon I reckon bunnies bunnies are a shoe in. Bunnies are a shoe in. Oh, here he is. Declared another one. Jeez. <laughs> I can turn the tables for sure. So we'll take Lots of back. Campbell Graham's back. Damien Cook's back. I think. Uh, I think uh, Cam Murray was was cleared from his HIA the, the previous week. So full strength. Joey Manu's out for the uh, for the Chooks, and I don't know. It was weird. I went to the game actually the uh, last weekend, and it didn't look like the Bunnies just. It didn't look like they wanted to. You know, sort of win desperately. Like, especially Latrell, like he literally had one of the worst games I've seen him have, but it didn't seem like it was, it seemed like it was deliberate is what I should say. Like it seemed oh. every time he caught the ball and was running it out of the back or whatever, he was just sort of jogging up and, you know, fastening about. And then he got sent off and he got sinbinned at the end of the game for being a prick. And I don't know, it all seemed a bit weird, to be honest. I think they'll, I think I'll turn up. I think they'll turn up. Bye, Latrell. Goodbye. <laughs> my uh, my team, the the beloved man, my beloved Manly Seagulls, had a very similar setup to this uh, roughly three or four seasons ago where the last round of the season, they bumped into Penrith at Manly at Brookvale and they absolutely thrashed Penrith. I think they beat him by, well, they didn't thrash him, but they, they beat him comfortably, beat him by about 16 points, 18 points. And then the following yeah. week, they played in the elimination final and Penrith said, you know what, Manly, we won't even try in the week before and they won. So I honestly think I've actually tipped South Sydney this week. I think I think Damien Cooks will be a huge in. Um, I think he's probably one of the more important players around the middle there. And uh, Roosters, I wouldn't say Manu's a huge out, but he obviously is a bit less striking in their back line now. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think they can turn the tables. Interested to see what uh, – I think Penrith will beat Parramatta. Quite convincingly, personally, I think. Oh yeah, I reckon that line's free. Yeah, whoa, line's free. whoa! <laughs> that line's free. Is it still eight and a half? Yeah, I I think the Parramatta supporters once again. Sorry, guys, but it's not your year. Stop it. Your, your year's not coming anytime soon. It's not. It's, it's lower. It's seven and a half now. Oh mate, I'm eating that up. No, just wait. Just wait. It'll get get down five and a half. It won't, it won't be seven and a half by the time this podcast comes out. I tell you, it'll be ten. <laughs> Well, mate, the Parramatta supporters, I think it's their year, honestly. It happens every year. They don't play a style of football that's suited to finals footy. Penrith, Nathan Cleary's been out for five weeks now. He hasn't been out injury-related, as we all know, suspension-related. Oh, he's got to be so fresh. He's, this is probably the, the longest time he's had off the game for the last bloody three or four seasons, considering all those end-of-season origin matches, end-of-season kangaroo matches, barley trips, off-season starting, pre-season starting in bloody November or whatnot. Nathan Cleary is going to be fresh as a daisy. He was at the Jack Harlow concert a fortnight ago. Pretty sure he met Shaq. He's feeling good. He's, he's, he's loving it. He's loving it. Oh, all right. Well, that about wrap us up. We're not an NRL podcast, but... Um, anyway. <laughs> we are now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, please gamble responsibly. Best of luck to yourself, Blake. Best of luck to the listeners. Huge dab racing at Flemington. Maccabi Davis Stakes Thank Day. You. Go the blood! <laughs> <laughs>